Hello everyone, this is Richard. Hey guys, Steve is here as well. And this is Fuck Is Our Mantra. We are coming to you on location for the first time um, <laughs> from my hometown of Mason City, Iowa. And uh, we have a special guest um, who is prepared to offer her Fuck of the Week as well. Uh, do you have one first, Steve? You know what? I was so focused on preparing her that I did not plan one for myself. Um, but I'm going to use the one I was just talking with her about downstairs. Um, we just put Kennedy to bed, and or I just put Kennedy to bed. And there are um, times, and I'm not sure, Richard, if you feel this way too, but uh, I, I, I'll hold her, and I just, I'm like, well, fuck. I cannot believe this baby is mine. Um, it, it's, I, I guess I don't know if it's because we lost the, a baby before or, or whatnot, but I just, it's, I, sometimes I just sit there in complete disbelief and complete blessing, and it's, especially getting into Thanksgiving, actually just coming out of Thanksgiving, because I think this will publish after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, we're recording this the night before Thanksgiving, and it's just a really good reminder of how thankful I need to be for her. So. Yeah, I think mine will probably kind of echo that actually, which we, we usually don't echo each other on uh, on on this segment. Um, after last episode aired, I ended on kind of a sentimental note, I guess. Gushy and mushy. Gushy, yeah. yeah. So I got a text message from a friend of ours. He was like, "Richard, I didn't expect you to to go there." And I was like, "Well, that's what happens sometimes." Um, but it's true because it was probably a week ago. I was putting Kennedy to bed, and and she was almost asleep. And I grabbed my phone and I texted you and I said, "I'm a lucky man." It was just one of those things where it hits you sometimes in that moment where things might be shit sometimes and it might be hard, but there <laughs> there's far more good than bad. And, and it was just one of those moments. So that's that's mine. So um, a little little off. We're obviously being off our rhythm today, but um, we also wanted our guest, uh, Deidre Stanton, to be able to give her fuck of the week. And um, just a quick, uh, you know, a uh, little bit about Deidre. It was, she was one of Richard's high school teachers, and uh, we've gotten to be really close with her um, and her late husband, and they've become more like family and a third grandparents to Kennedy. And um, we we just love her so much. So Deidre, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, we're really kind of excited for this podcast, but um, particularly, what is your fuck of the week? Well, it's Mark, in 43 years of marriage, my husband Mark did all the cooking. And one of the things he was known for was his Christmas candies. He made chocolate Christmas candies. And I was always his lowly little helper. He would direct me, you know, just like I was kind well, like of like Richard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was a private in the Army and he was the four-star <laughs> general. So this year, it's been a year since he's been dead, and I thought, okay, I can make Christmas candy. How tough can this be? Got on the Pinterest, looked for recipes, because he never did any recipes. So I got a couple recipes, and I melted the chocolate in the double boiler, and I did everything. Well, this June, I broke my wrist really, really bad and had a couple surgeries. Without even thinking, I went and lifted up the pan and started to, with my broken hand, and started to pour out the chocolate onto a pan, and I couldn't hold it, and the whole pan dropped in the center of all this chocolate I'd made. Chocolate (laughs) splattered everywhere, all over on the floor, and I just thought, you know, fuck it. (laughs) 
I can go someplace and buy candy, <laughs> dip it in my own chocolate, and tell people I made it. 100%. And who would know? And then, after really going to Hy-Vee and buying all the stuff to make this, I came to the conclusion I can buy candy. So, Mark, I love you. I'm sorry, but the chocolate thing's a it's a it's a goner. It's a no more. So, it looks good on the counter. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I do. Those, you know what that is? Chocolate covered Oreos. How oh, tough is that? Yes, chocolate covered that. thin Oreos. I mean, really. <laughs> Ooh, there's a moment. Hallmark is happy with me. <laughs> so we will be right back. Uh, we will come back and chat with Deidre a little bit about um, how her and Richard met, and uh, get into some other hilarious moments of Deidre's life. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, Steve here. Um, we are so excited to launch uh, Brooke and Co. I know we've talked about that in the past, but um, you know these are t-shirts that we are really, really passionate about. Um, they, they are super comfortable. They wash well. They wear well. They can take you from running around town with the kids to dinner with your friends when we can go back and do that again. Um, and so uh, just to make sure you guys are able to try them, I wanted to give you guys a discount code. So head to brookandco.com and enter the code MANTRA, and you'll get 10% off your order. Um, like I said, it is MANTRA, M-A-N-T-R-A, and you'll get 10% off of your entire order. And you know what? If you try them, please reach out. Let us know what you think, how comfortable you are, what you love about it, and uh, enjoy. Thanks, guys. All right, welcome back. Um, you have Richard, Steve, and Deidre Stanton here, all with a glass of eggnog. Yes. Not, not really we'll Thanksgiving-ish, but mm. yeah, we'll, we'll, whatever. Does whatever. it really matter if you enjoy eggnog? Drink it year round. <laughs> I mean, really, round, just though. drink it. I know. So you have to freeze it and or um, make it or make it. But if you enjoy eggnog, I don't think we should put a time limit on it. <laughs> so. Um, I'm going to kind of let uh, Richard kind of take over, uh, Richard and Deidre take over, talk a little bit about, um, you know, how you guys met. And uh, I think Richard probably has some funny stories from, from high school that he would love to share. But um, Richard, why don't you go for it? So I don't remember, and you may not either, it's been mm -hmm. a number of years, um, how I ended up in your class and which class. I, I feel like memory was that I was in your speech class and then I transferred into your English honors class, but I don't remember. I remember it the other way around. Okay. You were in English honors and I convinced you to take speech and then I convinced you to get involved with the speech team. Okay. And you were kind of a natural in there. Yeah. And I probably, we cemented our relationship more when you chose to run for mayor. Um, I really was intrigued by the idea, no really, I was, of a student having that kind of um, internal fortitude and that kind of like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and I was very, very intrigued by that. And that's when we started communicating. We talked a lot. It talked a lot yeah. on less of a student teacher level and more of a person person yeah. level. And you were, um, you were graduating. I'm, I've always been very cognitive of the fact that there is a teacher-student. There's, there's a wall. Yeah. But once a kid graduates, and you were kind of different, you know, so. You, know, <laughs> you were very different. So, you know, so we, you know, I, I just found that very fascinating. And I think that's really where our connection began yeah. Yeah. so strongly. Uh, do you remember anything about me being a student? 
Um, I remember you were a very good student. I remember you were a good writer. And the problem was you were also a good speaker. You didn't prepare enough because you knew you could go off your cuff and be better than three quarters of the class. Guess what, Deidre? He still does it with the podcast. I know. <laughs> so I thought to myself, this little son of gun is... Um, is freewheeling on me, and yet you met the rubric, and I had to give you an A, and that always ticked me off. You know, and you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Because it was so interesting to me, like, in that class, how many times I would volunteer to go first. Oh, Like, you're going to have to go, like, yes. regardless. Always go first. But always. Like, always. you said something before we started. So, Deidre is also um, a professional speaker, um, and... You said to me before we started that that before you go out to give any speech, you are oh, nervous. Oh, very and much I, to so. To me, like you saying that oh. is is validation that like, you're doing the right thing. Like you're doing it the right way. You care. Like yeah. If you're not nervous, I'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Someone said to me once, stage fright's the best thing you can have yeah. because if you have it, that means you care about what you're doing. Right. When I see sometimes professional speakers come, I call slithering in, <laughs> you know, in their alligator shoes, and they go, <laughs> oh, I can do this like nothing, right. and they're just a, and then they just. They slide it off, and you can almost hear the drum go, drum go ba-boom. Yep. It, they have so rehearsed that to the point there is no spontaneity, that this is just a canned act. I think, no, you, yeah. you this isn't anything to you anymore than a paycheck. Yeah. Honestly, I get as nervous speaking to a group of 5,000 as I do to a group of 50. Mm-hmm. There and, and like I was saying, there are times I'm standing ready to go on, and I'm thinking to myself... Who can I pay to get me out of this room? Who can I pay? You know, that, yeah. And then when it's over, I feel great and it's good. And, you know, then you go on. But, man, yeah. ooh, it's, a, it's a nail. I sweat. I sweat like I was running a marathon. <laughs> I do. What? I, I always wear two or three, like, shirts under my little jackets, my speaker jackets, because I'm just a water tank after what oh I'm God. done. I know. Boy, this will get me jobs, won't it? it will, yeah, yeah. She, is, she is looking for work, people. Um, I will say, having you as a teacher, so, like, the, my my favorite teachers were ones who, who were engaging and, and used their life to teach. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a firm believer in, in experience as education as opposed to textbook as mm-hmm. education, and I always felt like you were really good at that. Um, if you were to to have um, one day in the classroom, so as a former teacher, mm-hmm. one day in the classroom to teach seniors in high school, let's just say, what would you want to what would you want them to walk out with in that one day? You know, I did. Do you remember the Kitty Genevieve story about it was a girl in New York who was attacked when she was coming home and she was raped three or four times and people from her building watched and they saw and they did nothing. So one day in my, we were reading that story and all the kids were just mortified that that had happened. And, oh, we need to have a law that if you don't report some, the law being broken, you should go to jail. And they were going on and on. So I'd said ahead of time with a kid uh, one of my students, who was kind of a rough kid, and I said, I'm going to have the office call me down at the office. You're going to come up to my desk and steal my wallet and go back and sit down. Shit. So when I came back, you know, I, I look, and, and I'm a theater major, and I look, and I started to cry. I said, my wedding ring was in that wallet. How could you guys? 
who took it? Somebody in here. And the students were all, their eyes were huge. And you know the internal conflict that they had. It's my friend. It's, it's my, my friend. Well, yeah. this is a kid that could kill me, you know, let's <laughs> be honest. <laughs> and yet Mrs. Stanton, she's crying because this is her wedding ring. And, and they just were all sitting there, and it was a good five minutes. And then I said to the young boy, and I won't say his name, I said, thank you for doing that. You can bring my wallet back now. And he brought it back up, and the kids exploded. I would have told you after class. I would have read you a note. I would have done all this. And I said, no, you don't get it. You step up or don't. You, yeah, you. so and, interesting. And even to this day, I'll get kids that come up to me and say, do you remember that day? He stole your wallet. And it's it resonated with them that it's easy to talk the talk. But I said walking the walk is totally different. Yeah. And that was one of the things I'd like every kid to know. It, it's easy to say stuff, but man, to put, put action behind it is, is hard. So you mentioned that's such a good lesson, and I'm going to segue it really quickly, and then I'll let Steve ask some questions, I think. But um, people ask me today even, do you regret running? So I ran for office a second time, mm-hmm. as our audience knows, and you obviously mm-hmm. know. Um, ran as a second time as an independent in a partisan race. Um, and I know why I did it. I stand behind it. Um, and it is hard to, 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 to walk the talk. <laughs> Sorry, I had to think. Yeah, to think yeah. Through. But, it, but it, it wasn't, though, because like I firmly understood what I was doing and why, and so I don't question it, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was easy in that moment, and I, I stand behind it. But um, I had to that way yeah. right? because I believed in what I was doing. Yeah, and sometimes... You can believe all you want what you're doing, but if it goes so against what society tells you, and 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 we know this from from so many social issues, yeah. if it goes against what society's telling you, that pushback is like a train. Mm-hmm. And one person going to got you know I always think of Tiananmen Square in China. Yep. The one kid standing in front of that tank, and I think, why wasn't he surrounded by ten thousand other right. people? And yeah. I think really in our, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to get politically heavy, but it's time in our society that we don't let one person stand, stand alone. alone. We yep. have got to be, we have got to quit saying, oh, I'm just not my problem, not my, not my problem. problem. And, and yeah. start standing up for what we believe in. I think you can see why Richard and Deidre get along so well. <laughs> Many, and, and what's really interesting is politically, Richard and I are kind of, we are different We're spectrums. Different. Yes, we um but we have learned to disagree. We we really should run the government because we should. we should. We know how to disagree, and yet you know how to then say I'm right. Right. And so as long I, I do. Like yeah. I was talking with someone today, and it's like I I know I'm not the smartest person in, in many rooms that I'm in, but I also believe that I know how to pick the right people who can teach me and coach me and yep. tell me what I need to know. Y'all learning. Yeah, like always, I, I'm always 100% have okay learned. not being, yep. being the smartest person. Our listeners uh, know that even him and I are we're, we're, not, we're, the not, we're not the same either. Oh, no, so. and, but how boring would it be if you were with somebody that <clears throat> totally. was exactly like you? Or the whole world was exactly like me? A lot of times people say, you know, Deidre, you don't have a filter. And I think, I don't want to go through life filtered. No. You know, of course, exactly. sometimes it causes, you know, legal trouble. But, <laughs> I mean, you, know, you know, and that whole social thing has gone to hell. But um, really, I, we got to quit. Yep. That's how I feel filtered. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just everything is. And I'm not talking political correctness. That's just being respectful. I'm talking where you sit and you stop because you don't want to really share what you believe. Right. right. So. Yep. So um, 
a lot of people definitely don't know this, but I've had a lot of comments um, from people in my family or in our wedding, that are from our wedding that attended our wedding or um, uh, your speech. So Deidre gave a speech at our rehearsal dinner that was kind of impromptu. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think it was. I don't th- at least I don't think it was planned. No, it wasn't planned. Um, <laughs> and this will speak to the, this will be a testament to how, great she is as a speaker um i still have people talking to me about how touching that was and i look around at at that moment and like everyone's crying and i'm like what the fuck is going on like <laughs> who is this lady because you didn't know me as well as no you do now no i then. definitely yeah. didn't but I, I mean it was very touching um I, my mom still talks about it mm-hmm. all the time so I, I told her today i was like oh we're going to you know we're going to see Dieter this weekend and she's like oh my gosh do you remember that speech i'm like <laughs> Jesus. Yes. And you're sitting there thinking, it was my wedding. You should be remembering me, not some old teacher of Richard's, for heaven's sakes. Um, And I think what my mom has said a few times that there has been a lot of, there was a lot of moments in that speech where she felt like you spoke truth. Yeah. And one of the questions I think I wanted to ask is, um, what are, what is the most truthful thing you know? The most truthful thing I know that in the darkest, darkest of times, your, the truth, what I know, I will find joy. In my darkest times, when my husband was dying of cancer, I remember as he died, even on the day he died, I said to myself, I will live my life finding joy because to live the other way is not a life worth living. It's, you know... To, and everybody grieves in their own way, and I accept that. But my way, my greatest truth, we are so blessed in this land. Uh, we are just so blessed. I will spend my life finding joy. Which I think is so powerful. I think I mean, we've talked on this podcast several times about um, a year ago, mm-hmm. this last we week. We both, and on the same day, lost. Yes, with, yeah. It was... Um, our listeners know that we lost. I lost my job. We mm-hmm. lost Mark. Um, Richard lost the election, yeah. and we lost our baby all in that same week. And so yeah. I feel like there's this. And Richard, I think you'd probably agree. Like there's a connection between Deidre and I. Yep. And Richard and I for for loss in that week. Yeah. And it was a good week, wasn't um, it? Yeah. <clears throat> find find a lot of joy that week. Yeah, <laughs> but I would say, like, I also uh, when we were at at. Um, at the funeral, it was, you said to me, you know what, God owes me. And yeah. you were saying it kind of in this joking, yeah. joking way, right? Like, you know what? And you were so, like, um, concrete and positive about us getting a baby. Yes, I knew it, you would. It I knew felt, you would. It felt 100% I, real. I remember that night going home and talking to my son, and I was explaining that the baby you guys had anticipated. The day I found out Mark was dying of cancer was the day of your wedding, or um, your baby shower. I yeah, went right. home in yeah, that yeah. afternoon, yeah. and that's when it yeah. all blew apart. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys have been a great influence. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come into my life more often. Um, anyway, and I just kind of remember saying something to Nathan, and I said, you know, the first thing I'm going to ask Mark is not to take care of me, but to get those two a kid. And well, I and I and, and it's, I, I there I, was such conviction yes, in that statement from you. You know, and this summer, my aunt that I loved dearly and taught me to quilt and all of that, she died. And I was there through her death, through hospice and and through everything. And I remember I gave the eulogy at her funeral and I said, 
you know, there's a part of me that when I meet God, I want to have a very terse discussion with him. You know, <laughs> he and I are going to chat. And um, someone said to me, and they looked at me and said, what if he says to you, I'm just doing the best I can? And then I sat back and I thought, I, had, I was married to Mark for 43 years. She was in my life for 83 years. Yeah. He didn't do a really bad job. Yeah. And what am I complaining about? Yeah. Well, and so, I, I feel like every there's a part of, at least I like to believe that there's a part of Mark with oh, Kennedy. Oh, absolutely. And Not a doubt in my mind. It, the, the pelican dropped her, you know, Mark dropped yep. her right in your lap. I yep. know. To me, she's always a representation that life goes on. Yeah. That life goes on, and it does. Because I remember at Mark's funeral, one of the things we'd really ask was that I didn't want one of those dinners. I didn't want one of those dinners, and I wanted donuts and coffee and everyone to sit around. And so many people came to his funeral that the funeral director said to me, oh, no, we got to get more donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the whole funeral thinking, are they getting the donuts? Are they getting the donuts? not worry about that during the funeral. <laughs> yeah. And and so, oh, yeah, I'm, there was just good came out in so many ways. And think about it. I'm sitting here saying good came out of a funeral. Yeah. But it did. Oh, so, yeah. So sure. It's funny. I'm going to totally segue a little bit. Um, well, I have one follow-up. Hold on. Okay. So, yep, I just totally cut Richard off. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, um, we do it all the time. So you mentioned your um, great aunt, aunt. She was just my aunt, yeah, my aunt okay. Joyce. Who... who Taught you to quilt. Yes. Um, going back to the wedding. Yeah. Uh, we still have not gotten our wedding gift. I know. <laughs> I'm okay, put listeners her on the spot. out there, um, I have <laughs> 71 of the prairie, prairie, prairie points done, and I think I need like 46 more. But let me justify for myself. <laughs> you can make these really fast, and I was making them fast, and my aunt looked at me and said, are you happy with that? Because they didn't look <laughs> as professional. And she made me go back and redo them the old-fashioned way. So instead of like sewing two seams and ironing and getting four, I now am doing them one at a time. They're, it's, <laughs> it, they're very difficult. And my guarantee is always within five years, you will get your quilt. Okay. So don't be pushing me. Well, don't be pushing. Just for our listeners' awareness, we have been married for four Oh, you have? Yes. Oh, Lord, I got to get busy this summer. <laughs> okay. All right. Ooh, this um, is... Now, now the threat's on. Yeah. Now the threat is on. <laughs> and it feels like this needs to be entered into the state fair. Yes. That was our thought. Yeah, that was I, our thought. So that's why the Prairie Points must be given their due and time. that's fair. That's, that's fair. Yeah. So we'll be sure to post when once the quilt is done, if the quilt is ever done. Yes, it will be. Uh, <laughs> He's kind of snarly. <laughs> have you noticed that, people? He's kind of snarly. And he calls me out constantly, kind of like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, yeah. he does. He yep. don't, He calls me out. You said, why live a life that's filtered? That's true. true. <laughs> but so. I would like you to filter up a little bit. <laughs> You're in my home. Just remember that, big guy. You know? You're hoping to sleep here tonight. You do uh, have a car. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Richard, what were you, you going to well, say? I'm going to leave that where it was. Okay. Um, I'll move on to a different topic. Um talking politics for a minute um you were you grew up during a tumultuous period in america's history Mm -hmm. um good things happened bad things happened yeah um you stood up for things it was watergate it was um nixon it was the vietnam Vietnam War. war it was the civil rights movement i i sometimes wish 
I mean, we haven't come far enough in, and it was women's, the women's movement. It kind of, um, I laugh a little bit and I don't laugh, but people talk about sexual harassment. I think if you're over 60, you were sexually harassed because that was a societal norm. I mean, and so they, they're going, you know, I think you got too close to me. And I'm thinking, you You know, you you don't know what we put up with. Although what happened to you was wrong and it will (laughs) always be wrong, you know. And there's no justification ever for it, but we have a different picture. And well, anyway, during the Vietnam War, my father uh, was a World War II guy. Um, he was at uh, two days after Pearl Harbor. He went in to bring people out. He was in the Navy. And he was on the second day of D-Day where he drove um, one of those little flat bottom boats in. Yeah, really? And the front flops out sure. and the men run off. And then on the way back to the big ship, they threw grappling hooks over the side to yeah. hook as many bodies as they could. Wow. And that's what he did. So, of course, his view on war and Vietnam was very different from mine. Yeah. And we used to argue about the the bomb also, horrible arguments. Well, very, and now I sit back and I think, oh, maybe I, you know, should have looked with a clearer picture on his picture. But anyway, it was during the Vietnam War and in my belief that I should stop this war, that I had to stand up for it, I, I was with a group of people and we were gonna block the Mendota Bridge in Minnesota, believing that if we blocked the Mendota Bridge in Minnesota, that we would stop the bombing in Hanoi. I today don't see the correlation, but at the time, it was vividly clear that those bombs would stop the man, minute we, you know, snarled up rush hour traffic. Well, um, I told my father I was going, and my father said to me, um, he disagreed, and we talked and whatever, and he just said, well, don't come to me whining with whatever happens, you know, or and I just... Well, I knew it was nothing was going to happen because I was a peace-loving girl and, you know, peace and love, hey, hey, hippie. And <clears throat> to make a long story short, we went, a bunch of us blocked the bridge. It it didn't turn out as peaceful as I had anticipated. The National Guard does not appreciate you hitting back. And <laughs> I ended up that night in the Hennepin County Jail. And this was before the Hennepin County Jail was cleaned up a little bit with Trixie Dixie and the girls. And I remember we got one phone call. It was a Friday night. And I called and and I called my um I called my father and I said Dad, um, can you come get me? And he said, no, you live by the consequences of your own behavior. So that meant I had to spend that whole weekend because the judge didn't come back till Monday in the jail. And first of all, I learned that there are people with different pictures of life than I had. Some of the women in there were victims of things that I could never imagine, I could never understand. And I also learned that you can go about 48 hours without going to the bathroom. You really can. <laughs> and, and, and you can sit quietly. You can sit Were a bunch of you, like a bunch of you together? Well, everybody got out but me. Everybody's parents came oh. and got them but me. And I was left with um, some of friends. the women. My new friends. And um, yet, I, I got tons of community service. I mean, I was, it was horrible. But... The bottom line was probably today the best thing he ever did for me. The best thing. Because he taught me exactly, if you believe in something, then you better be ready to accept the consequences of your choices. And I look at today's helicopter parents and today's bulldozer parents, and I think, 
you are not yeah. loving your children in a way they need to be loved. Yeah. You love them, but you're not giving them the skills mm-hmm. to love themselves <clears throat> and to right. have conviction. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. We, we've talked about that on how, yeah. we, how we want to raise Kennedy. And, and there will be good days and bad days in terms of how we parent, but we definitely want to instill that in her where we will be there. We'll be there to pick you up. Yeah. But if you make choices and they're the wrong ones, you'll have to live with those consequences. Yeah. There, and we'll support you. Yes, we and, will be there. But if but, you've got consequences, we'll drop you off at community service yep. and we'll pick you back up. Yep. But you're doing community service. One of, one of our good friends, they say to their kids, um, especially as they get a little older, I think one is like seven now, they ask, "Was that a good? do you think that was a good decision? Mm-hmm. And they have to give like rationale yep. as Perfect. to why they think it is or not. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then if it like if it makes sense, they're like, okay. We never restricted our son. Ever restricted him because that meant we had to spend time with him, you know, for a long period. <laughs> we always just said, obviously, you're having difficulty making decisions. So for the next two days, we'll make all your decisions for you. And Mark would get up and say, you're going to get up now, and here's what you're going to wear, and I'll drive you to school because that's a lot of decisions when you're driving. And he would spend the next two days making every decision. And then after two days, he'd say, now, are you ready to try and make some of your own decisions? And my son would be, oh, please, anything. I'll make all my decisions, please. That's interesting. Yeah, so it was a great way to just, you're having trouble making decisions. Yeah. So we'll it's make a, them for well, you for two days. Like they say that when a, sometimes when a baby is, is fussy, it's because there's just so much going on, they can't process it Yes, all. If, yeah. I mean, if a kid can't make the right decisions, maybe they're just over-decision, yeah. like... And, overwhelmed. Like. And Mark would always make him wear like khakis of and course, a shirt yeah, it- tucked in. It was horrible. It was, even Nathan used to say, please restrict me. Just restrict me. I'll spend a week at home. Just anything. And no, we'll make your decisions for you. And so oh, it worked well. It was That's good. Funny. Yeah. In, in Deidre's house, um, her, <laughs> her, um, her husband loved Christmas, like yes. was obsessed with Christmas. Yes, he was. And she has two trees. I think there's two wreaths out front on her front porch. I mean, there's lights and I mean, it's just, it's wonderful and magical and it's everywhere you look. Um, is this? You know why this is, and this is the truth. My mother, my mother once said, when my mother was growing up, it was in the middle of the depression. Her father had been killed. Poverty, nine kids. The county came in and took some of the kids away and put sent them out to farms. Just, you know, absolute poverty and, you know, just horrible. My mother once said, if we could have lived on the wrong side of the tracks, it would have been an upscale neighborhood. And I think, and so then when my mother married my father, she'd never had a Christmas tree, ever. And so my mother started this kind of craziness at Christmas. Honestly, if you were standing still, you had lights wrapped around you and you better animate because you were plugged in. (laughs) And I think for her, it was her way of saying, I now have opulence. I now have wealth. See, see what I've got, see what I've got. And surprisingly, my whole family, it's carried on. My, My son, my daughter, my sisters, my brothers, we really take this whole... You know, I'm the only person that watched that movie, that Hallm. No, it wasn't Hallmark. The Christmas movie that everybody quotes. Uh, the not the guy with all the lights on the. Christmas oh. sto- yeah, the Christmas vacation. story, yeah. Christmas vacation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I watched it and I really don't laugh. I mean, oh, because that's same. is it real? Huh? Same. Yeah, yeah, really because sad. it's 
it's kind of like, it's okay. Ironically, Those, that's Richard's favorite Christmas movie. Is it really? Well, I keep thinking, that tree's great. The lights are beautiful. <laughs> Why is everyone giving him so much trouble here? <laughs> but, um, and it was her way of saying, I have made We've it. made it. Yeah. I've made it. Yeah. And so we all kind of carried on. It was funny. She used to always wrap our gifts. We'd have... 20 gifts under the tree, each one of us. But she'd buy her, buy a pair of like six socks and, and wrap oh, each yeah. pair individually. So we'd have all these gifts. But that was just her way of saying, see, yeah, I'm rich now. Yeah. Well, I like, I mean, there's like, what do you have, like 12 stockings hanging downstairs? I've, yeah, no, yeah, I didn't count 12. Them. I just guessed. Yeah, there's 12. There's like yeah. 12. And then she has these giant gnomes. Yeah. That she laughs at, but I seriously, I, well, I'm going to take a picture we'll post on Instagram okay. because they are, they're hilarious. And I, I love them. Th- they're the top of old Christmas trees. We always recycle. We always recycle. I like it. Yeah. Um, is this, did you, do you usually just pass over Thanksgiving? Yeah. Okay. And just uh, it's right a Christmas? wonderful, beautiful day. But once Halloween hits, I'm sorry. I'm okay. full Christmas. Okay. And, and that's okay. So, that's so, so okay. What, what is your favorite Christmas movie? I don't. Um, my favorite Christmas movie. Well, I used to like It's a Wonderful Life, but now when you look at it with today's eyes, it's kind of really sad and it's very and, sad. and sad. very dark and very depressing. And I don't want that to be my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> um, I liked White Christmas for many years because I liked the opulent musical and the back door opens and they're you know the dancing, the singing. Yeah. And, but you know that's not realistic. Nope. I'm going to probably upset every viewer you oh, have boy. ever heard, ever. I have I I cannot watch the Hallmark Christmas movies. Me either. Thank you. <laughs> they are such stock plots. Yeah. It's, and it's always the there. same. Yeah. And always they fall back in love on Christmas Eve as the snow was twinkling from the sky. <laughs> Just drives me crazy. Yeah. Yet I have kids that my daughter, I think they watch every one. They like binge watch them. And no. I think oh if you've gosh. seen one, you've, you've seen, seen all them the all. Movies, yeah. And most of the time you've seen the same girl playing the same role. <laughs> so I, those, I, I've to- they're, they're not even on the Richter scale. I, I really don't have a favorite okay. Christmas movie. I like watching Christmas concerts. Manhattan Steam. Steamroller? Yeah. And, oh, when we used to go to New York City a lot to watch the Christmas pageant at Radio City Music Hall. Mm-hmm. Oh, those kind of, that's, yeah. that's my, when the, you know, when, when they bring the camels on stage. I mean, if you mm-hmm. can't get excited about that, you really need to refocus. I'm still you know? all about White Christmas. I yeah. It, and then there's there, a sense of nostalgia there that just And uh Meet Me in St. Louis. Yeah, that was good. That was that's good. Where, I mean that's where um Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, Christmas came, came from. from and, yeah. Well uh, you know, right here in River City, Mason City, Iowa, our Meredith Wilson wrote what was the Christmas song he wrote? The little White rest, Christmas. White Christmas, yeah. and also wasn't it the chestnuts roast? Being Did he write that one? By the open fire. I have no idea. No, maybe yeah, maybe that's wrong. We're gonna Google it. You go, see, in today's society, we would have had to go get an encyclopedia <laughs> you would have had that had been published in the answer. last two years, yeah. and then you wouldn't have found out. So you would have had to go to the library. The librarian would have right known. Now, so yeah, they're closed. So you would have had to forego this information. The Christmas song was by Nat King Cole. Oh, Nat should King have known. Cole. Did he sing it though, well, or just? Sang it. Hold on. Yeah, yeah I don't think there, he yeah. wrote it. So anyway, obviously yeah. we know you go, you decorate like crazy the house. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Is there any like traditions, even without Mark here, you're still like, you have to do this every year? Um, 
Yes, there are many. And I decided that's for the kids. You you keep going. Just because one piece of the puzzle is missing, you don't throw the puzzle away. Right. And so you keep putting the puzzle together. And we still do a lot of things. Um, the dinners, Christmas Eve dinner is a very big okay. deal in our family. We spend the whole day cooking it. And and a lot of those things, yeah. The gifts under the tree. The We used to drive around and see the lights, and that's no longer... There's no longer people that really decorate their house. Yeah. You know, I grew up we with a Minneapolis. You'd go down yeah. the windows and you'd stop at Woolworths for your chocolate <laughs> milk and, and all of that is gone. And there's that's a, fine. There's a place, and Richard's been down it, but there was a place in my hometown called Candy Cane Lane. Oh. And they, each house, it was like part of an association, essentially, yes. but it was like three long blocks, and each had probably like a five to six foot candy cane that stuck out of the ground, um, and that you were required to, to decorate your house as a part of living on this street. And so like the first time I took Richard home, I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. You could finally see Candy Cane Lane, and it was beautiful. Like you used yeah. to, when I was a kid, it was just amazing. Uh, went down. People put the candy cane out, but no one decorates. Yeah, it was just... Really? It was so... Well, if you look out the backyard, you'll see that our association demands that... It not doesn't demand. We do it willingly. We all, when you buy the house, you get a Christmas tree that you decorate <laughs> I saw it with lights. Out there, yeah. Well, no, um, out on the lake, yeah. the wooden one, the little yeah. wooden square yeah. tree. Yeah. And then come Christmas, they put a big tree in the center. And so people driving around get to see all the trees Cute. outside yeah. the, the house. Cute, yeah. You know, but it not as many people yeah. put theirs out as they used to. And, and it's energy, it's cost, it's all of it's time, that. It's, it's yeah. time. It's time. Yeah. It's people are, you know, priorities are yeah. different and yeah. minimalist. And <laughs> I am not a minimalist when it comes to <laughs> Christmas. Christmas decoration. No. She is not. No, Mel not. Torme. Mel Torme wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had thought Meredith Wilson had a hand in that. See, I was wrong, Richard. You always say I don't admit when I'm wrong. Excuse me. You notice how willingly I said I was wrong. (laughs) You know. Says Robert Wells and Mel Torme. Okay, don't know Robert. Poor Mel. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Now you can Google. Is he still alive, Mel Torme? Uh, I I will find out. See, just think about that. Look at the information that is at our fingertips. There is nothing we. We can't Nothing. Get, yeah. We can't get it within so, a minute. So do you think? So you've only been out of, out of technically out of the school for a year. No, not even a year. It's been not even a year. Just shipped, since six yeah, months, basically, yeah, whatever. Yeah, retired. Is, is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a very good thing. Okay. After forty-three years, it was time. You know, no, 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 no sorry. Different. Oh. That's not the question I was asking. Uh, well, you're saying it's a good thing you're not in the classroom anymore. <laughs> yeah, it no. is. It is, is it a good thing that we have? All the information at. Um, I think we're service? on information overload. Um, I when I go visit my grandkids, I make them put their phones down, and you have to talk to me. And they struggle; they struggle to have a conversation. Yeah. They struggle at, at a little bit of, of of that. It's a good and it's a bad. Everything is good and bad. When television first came out, they went, "Oh, this is going to kill society." Come on. When Elvis shook his hips, <laughs> half the, the world thought this was it. You know, are we now, you know. And so I, I worry about the technical overload, the information overload. Yeah. Um, no sense of inquiry anymore. Just it's right there. You've got it. You, you don't have to think through how could you it's find true. this. It's true. How could I find this out? How could right. I answer this question? Right. Google it. Yeah. Or Alexa, is that her name? Alexa, yeah. Alexa, I don't, Alexa has not visited my home yet. 
because I just she's not welcome. You're not wrong that it it, it almost is taken to, away our ability to sit and try and find the answer. Yeah. To our own memory. To process and, right. to process the steps to getting right. to this answer. Yeah. We don't have that anymore. Right. It's just Google so it. Go ask a question, get the answer, mm-hmm. and move yeah. on. Yeah. Google it. So, but, and honestly, in 50 years, there's going to be something else, something and else, people yeah. will be going, boy, in the old days, I used to have to Google. I forget what you I had to Google on an Android. Whoa, you know? So. It'll it'll be it's just progress. Yeah, it's just it progress. But yeah. I sometimes get a little freaked out when I think my grandmother um, watched the flight of the first airplane. Shut up. Yes, I remember sitting and watching the first air. You know, the shot to the moon. Yeah. And how fast we have oh, moved. Ridiculous. I mean that my grandmother saw the development of an airplane and where we are today. Right. That. I saw the development of computer yeah. and where we are today. Yeah. So it, the speed by which we are moving forward, yeah. sometimes the checks and balance are, you know, what yeah. are we going to do with the checks and balance? Yeah. But that's, yeah, fuck it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is what it is. So I have some, some random fun questions. Okay. Um, should not be hard. Uh-oh. No, they should not be hard at all. Okay. Um, what's your favorite book? Oh, you know, people, because I'm an English teacher, they always ask me this and I can't do it because every genre has its own favorite. My first book that brought me to tears was The Secret Garden. Oh, wow. It took me to a place that I'd never been before. And that's The Secret Garden was the book that said to me, I can go anywhere in this world. I can go and be anybody, anything. So if what's what are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading the letters of John Steinbeck. As he was writing East of Eden, he was keeping a journal on the other side and writing what he was done every day. And it's interesting because an old student of mine who is a professor at Carnegie Mellon just sent me John Steinbeck's book. And so... Shit, that's cool. I know. And so I'm reading right now. I've really been into biographies lately. Very interested in biographies. Um, Mr. John Lee, a teacher at the high school, got me very interested in World War II. So I now know how every submarine's been made, every panzer's been made. I mean, I went through a period of about 300 World War II books, so I'm hoping I'm done. That's amazing. I know. Uh, Favorite movie? Oh, again, what's with the favorite thing? It's just different. All right. I got to be honest, again, The Sound of Music, I was young, and I saw her dancing. Matter of fact, I am 66 years old. I just got my first passport. I am going on a cruise. Yes, never had a passport, never left the United States. I'm going on a cruise um, down the Rhine in Europe and a full day of the, (laughs) this sounds so campy, but I can't, I'm so excited. A full day where they take you through the tour of the spots of the Sound Sound of of Music. music. The reenactment of the Sound of Music. And we actually get to ride in a little like cart singing Do Re Mi. That's awesome. I know, I know. He wants to go with you. I, I yeah. can you see <laughs> a bunch of old people, tourists from America, singing oh "Don't Rain Me Down." The- I mean, it- we visited uh, one one city during our honeymoon, yeah. and uh, I wanted to go to the hill. That's yes. what I really wanted yes. was the hill. But it's private property. Uh, it's it private is. property. It yeah. is, but it was even in like the town square where the kids go up and down the stairs. You, yeah. I am just like 
you feel it. And yes. And so that was, a, you, that Julie was Andrews. one where it just maybe, you know, it was the first musical and that cinema screen, yeah. the screen kind of went around and I was in my really good dress with my patent leather shoes and we were at the theater and the sound of music was on the big screen and we each got a little thing of popcorn. I mean, this was big, big, big stuff time. for my family. Yeah. This yeah. was like going to Broadway, you know, so... So in your lifetime, who's uh, who's been your favorite president? Yo, boy. Um, I used to think John Kennedy until I read about three autobiographies about him. And, <laughs> boy, talk about the shine going off the star on that one. Um, you know, and then I look, you know, so then I started looking at who is... Jimmy Carter, to me, is a president that wasn't very effective. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. He, he wasn't he was effective. Yeah. He, he, well, it just wasn't, he didn't know how to yeah. work the system. But you want to talk about a human being of value yeah. and character and substance. Well, the man that just like he just fell in his house and whatever, and was back yeah. in houses three days yeah. later. Yeah, just like, had his brain yeah. drained, and yeah. he's home, you know, getting ready to make a turkey. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but also, you know, I have always been big about if you're gonna talk it, you better walk it, yep. and that's a man who's done he's it. He's done it. Yeah. And yet, I know he wasn't very effective yeah. in the job. I have to be honest. In my lifetime, I don't have any one politician sure. that I look to as the ultimate. There's been a lot of is, different pieces of different people. Is that just because they're inherently not of that caliber, or just we just haven't had them? I expect, I guess, a hero, sure. and that's that's unrealistic. Yeah. I mean, especially now, I have <laughs> never been in favor of term limits, and now I am because <laughs> because I think maybe if we got that working so hard to get reelected out of the picture, yeah. maybe we'd have more authentic decisions. Sure. So see, everything is just changing, and. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll be marching for term limits. <laughs> Can't believe it. And don't even ask me who I'm looking at at I'm, this well, campaign not, because not go I there. couldn't answer other than I'm a Minnesota girl. And so my heart of the yeah, yeah, goes the, to the, the Minnesota. Bulbachar, yeah. yeah, but, I, you know, I, I can't yeah. decide yet. That's, we have 70 some odd days. But I know. Uh, so. And that is scary. You know, it's interesting. So you grew up in Minnesota, but then yeah. lived in Iowa for... Yeah, 43 40, years. Yeah. 44 now. So you've gone through a lot of caucus process, you know, yes, seasons. Yes, yes. Every single People one of them. People who don't live in Iowa or, or who are not from the states who, who are listening to this don't understand they don't like we absolutely take it seriously um and and it's not that that we're listening to the polls and we don't pay attention to the tv no we really don't we don't and and the thing that people don't get is every single speaker that comes to mason city i don't care who you are i don't care whatever i go and listen to you and i would say 90 percent of my neighbors do the same thing we don't care if you're republican we don't care if you're way out there we go and meet you yeah and meeting you eye to eye is, I mean, watch the music man. We, you, me, you know, <laughs> come on, we're Iowa stubborn. You better meet me and answer yep. my questions with yep. clarity, distinction, yep. conviction, and honor, because that's how we make our decisions. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of talk that we are a na- we are a state that maybe isn't um, diverse enough to make these kind of decisions. I understand that, but boy, we are a state that takes politics especially on the caucus level, very, yeah. very seriously. Yeah. And what I will say to that is, while, while on the service we may not be quote-unquote diverse, it, 
at the caucus level in 2008, the state voted and supported Barack Obama. He won yes. the Iowa caucus. Yes. So to, we may not look it, but we, we respect well, it. Well, I think we in a lot it. of ways, we don't vote with... We do not. We do not vote with religion. It's eye to eye. It is. Have you said what I wanted to hear you say? And are yeah. you an honest, yeah. good guy? And did you shake my hand? Yep. And if you didn't, you just pack your little car and you go home. Yep. You know, I, I sometimes they want wa- that conviction. I, yes. Yeah. And I sometimes see politicians kind of like just whoosh in and whoosh mm-hmm. out. And I think, no, work. and yeah. don't be an hour and a half late. Oh, oh no, 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 no. You might as well not even show up. If you're an Thank hour and you. a half late, don't even show up because they're now so mad at you. Yeah. You know, their time is valuable. Yep. And you said you'll be here at 7. You get your butt in that yeah. door at 7. Yeah. Maybe 6.45 would be probably good. So it'll so. be... We're I'm looking forward to taking Kennedy. It'll be past her bedtime. Yes. I will deal yes. with those consequences because yes. I just yes. want her to. My children always it. went with me, yeah. and now yeah. they, they, now they go. They go. Yeah. Yep. They always went with me when I voted too. Yeah. They saw that Kennedy voting was yep. every single. I don't care if you're voting for Dog whatever. Catcher, it's, yep. Yeah. You get out and you vote yeah. every single time, every single place, yeah. every single time. All right, guys. We will be right back with our last segment with Deidre Stanton right after this. Did you know that the sixth leading cause of death in the United States is Alzheimer's disease? And that one in three seniors dies with Alzheimer's or other dementia, and it kills more than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. I know times are tough, but I'm asking for your help. As the chair of the Iowa Board of Directors of the Alzheimer's Association for the next two years, I am working harder than ever to raise awareness and to raise funds to rid the world of Alzheimer's and all other dementias. And your money doesn't just go to research. It goes to care and support groups, which are free by the way. The 24-hour hotline, which is free by the way. To education and awareness programs in every community across the country. And it does go to research. The Alzheimer's Association is the third leading funder of research and the highest funder of research that is a non-governmental entity in the world and they're making strides each and every day so please give it some thought if you're interested please click the link in the show notes to donate to our alzheimer's walk team today your money stays in the local communities to impact to support and to educate people all across the country about alzheimer's the warning signs and how to get care and support this is a disease that is quiet but it's continually taking away lives of people all around us, including my great aunt, my neighbor, and a dear family friend. Again, the link is in the show notes to go and support our walk to end Alzheimer's. And if you just want more information, you can go to alz.org. And we're back for the last segment. Yes. Crazy. So <clears throat> we've talked a lot about Christmas, obviously talked about a lot about politics. Um, I think people can probably sense your passion, I think, just through the microphone. Yeah. Um, I, it's just something, I, you're infectious, and I think you probably know that. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't really like being compared to an infectious disease. But, <laughs> Not a know. disease, you're just infectious. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think you, you mentioned Kennedy and this being her first Christmas, and mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's just definitely something we're super focused on. And I know you are the same with yes. your kids, I think. And I think the best, the biggest thing for me with Christmas, it, it is 
my heart is Christmas. I mean, matter of fact, you guys are going to laugh, but I am slowly putting together a Mrs. Santa Claus costume. Because when <laughs> I know, I know, don't laugh. Um, well, you're laughing, and I don't appreciate it. Um, anyway, <laughs> when my kids were growing up, there was a man that I knew that came around, and he was Mr. Santa Claus. And after their Christmas pageant or their little Christmas thing they did at the church, we'd come home to our house, they were dressed up, and Santa Claus would come. And until they grew up, he came every year. And and he has now gone to heaven. And I, I just think of what a miracle. So I thought, well, why can't I be a Mrs. Claus and do totally. that? That's awesome. It doesn't have to be Santa. I can say Santa's busy. Yeah. He had the sleigh. That's why I had to drive the car. Yep. You know, I have a little basket of can of canes. He's looking. I'm checking here. Santa's told me to come check on some of you guys. I like it. Because it was a little iffy here on how things are going. So I'm slowly (laughs) putting together my Mrs. Claus outfit. It's not going to be ready for this year, but it will be ready for next year. And then, so get a couple of traditions like that. And with Kennedy, I will come down, of course, and be Mrs. Claus. No one else is going into her world (laughs) but me. Excuse me. Um, But I want to do that for some of the, as my children had, pay it forward, give it back. And I I always say to people, you know, it really doesn't matter the gifts under the tree. You know, Amazon is going to survive without this Christmas dump. But um, please, just find a few traditions that you just hold on to. And they don't have to be big, huge traditions. Mm-hmm. They can be yeah. the candy cane after the Christmas pageant. One thing I was you know? just telling Richard about, uh, I was talking to a coworker, and uh, we didn't have time to organize it for this year, but I really want to start it either with Thanksgiving or Christmas, either one. Um, her family... They get together. There's mm-hmm. like twenty of them. They eat. Mm-hmm. They do the you know they do the dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but her father buys to go boxes every oh. time, and they divide the leftovers. The, Perfect. The commitment is they do not that the whole family you don't get leftovers to take home. They divvy it out, and they all drive out as a family. They give it to homeless people Perfect. around town. Yeah. And she was saying that like that is a tradition. Like the dinner's fine, and they like yeah, getting together. Yeah. But everyone comes. For the delivery. And, and see, little things like that. I just, that just my, hit me. My daughter has a great thing. She has these bags. And before Christmas, the kids have to go through their things. Yep. And they have to, you know, you don't, you don't get to give your junk kids, you know, the puzzle that has one piece left. It's not, you know. Yeah. But they have to pick out things they don't play with anymore that aren't important to them anymore. And they have to take them down to the Salvation Army oh. or whatever. And they have to learn to give. Yep. And, and in order to get. And I think that balance mm-hmm. sometimes is a little difficult because mm-hmm. we become overly, you know, hyped up with yeah. the getting, 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 getting. And, and so those I don't, kind think, of I don't traditions. think people really realize how much you get when you give. Oh. I think you get so much more oh, than any always. gift. Or... To see a, a, even my older, you know, they're in high school. And to act, um, my one of my grandchildren last year, I contacted a very good friend that has a plane that lands on water and takes off. And he loves planes. So I asked Mark, would you give my grandson a ride? And so I wrote, put that, wrote that little note up, put it in a box, and to watch this cool middle school kid, you know, hey, I'm pretty cool. This is, you know, for little kids. Open that up and get tears in his eyes and go, oh, really? 
you know, and, and I just thought that, you know, hey, you can ride in that plane for five days and you won't feel as good as I feel right, right. this minute. Yeah. So, 100%. I usually, yes, yes. I usually feel that way too when I actually, Richard was working on a, some podcast ideas and this was just what would, was brought, came back to me. But I love also looking and learning and watching other religions during yes, the holidays. Yes. More than, you know, Kwanzaa and, and, and yeah. Judaism, right? Yeah. But everything. Like, just, they're so different, and they all are wanting to do the exact same thing. Celebrate. Yeah. Celebrate with joy. And it, I think if, if anything, Christmas gives me an especially time to honor my mother's history that was so difficult, and also to teach my children that we are a really blessed family. I, You know, you go anywhere else in this world, and we are blessed and and then the other thing is also to realize that this is a spirit that should be forever not just a day a weekend this kind of spirit of giving and joy should be forever this should be what fills your soul Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't twinkling lights are nice and i love my twinkling lights anybody is welcome (laughs) to come over and look at my twinkling lights with prior acknowledgement, but um, it, it it should be forever. For sure. And I think Christmas kind of fills me back up. It kind of fills my well back up, and then gets me ready for that Iowa winter. You know, because boy, mm. if nothing freezes you over, that does. Yeah. And it gets me ready, and then spring comes, and I'm on my porch in my craftmatic bed, reading a book, looking out out at the lake. <laughs> so well, we don't good. we don't see you as much as we like to, but you yeah. always fill us with joy. Yes, and you guys do too. Thank you for always opening your home to us, and thanks for being on the podcast today. And you know something, um, I've known Richard for twenty plus years, wouldn't you say? How long? When did you well, graduate? I'm Thirty-five. So yeah, I would have been fifteen or sixteen when I was. So yeah, 20, we'll just say twenty years. Yeah, twenty years. God. And I, I know, I know. <laughs> Think about it. I remember when my mother turned my age. We were looking at nursing homes for, her. and so you're good to go at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Hey, I'm good. But I, I am thankful that you came into his life, Stephen. Oh, because for you. a long time. I I did not like the people that were in his life. <laughs> I'm going to be candid here. I think, I think that needs to be a New Year's podcast because yeah. this is a message that everyone keeps saying. What, who but, do you have around? But know. when you came into his world, I just I just said to myself, all right, I don't have to worry about him anymore. He's got somebody that loves him as much as I do. And that's all that I've ever asked for anybody is that if you're going to love one of my people, You've got to love him as much as I do. Yep. And I know you do. So I'm I do. I'm good. Cool. I'm good. And don't worry, you screw up, I'll find you. <laughs> Merry I'm Christmas. Sure I already have. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, been, it's a good uh, world. This has been a fantastic um, hour. So thank you. Um, I, th- I think we'll just end. I'll end with with what what Deidre kind of said at the beginning, what she said before we started that that uh, we're going to choose joy. Yeah. So we wish Choose you all joy. Uh, joy this holiday season, whatever that means to you. Yep. And we will see you at our next episode. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, Deidre. Thank you. Bye. This podcast was mixed and produced by Sprout Media, a digital media firm in Des Moines, Iowa, who believes in doing things differently. They believe in putting consumers and clients first. 
being a partner in marketing, and inspiring your tomorrow. They build websites, create digital media strategies, shoot and produce videos, and edit and produce podcasts just like this one. Check out Sprout Media at GoSproutMedia.com, where you can subscribe to their podcast, The Buzz Addiction, or even request a free consultation. That's GoSproutMedia.com.